0: right here at 7 p.m. Husbands, I want to encourage you. Take one for the team. Take your kids. Send your wives out. I promise you it'll be for your benefit, but it's incredible night for the ladies here in the house, and so I want to encourage you to come out on that. Second thing I, I, I want to say is, is that, man, thank you so much for continuing to invite your friends and your family to church. We're seeing God do some incredible things in our church, and because of that, uh, we are actually getting ready to add a second Saturday night service here. So, Coming up the first weekend of September, September 7th and 8th, uh, we'll be adding a 4.30 and a 6.15 Saturday night service. So, like, listen, I will bribe you to come to Saturday night. So we give you pizza and ice cream, and uh, we have everything else going on. So maybe you want to make a switch from Sunday at 11.30 to maybe Saturday night at 4.30 or 6.15. We would encourage you to do that. and. you. Uh, help a brother out here at church. Anyways, uh, but I'm excited for today. I'm excited for this series that we're beginning today called What Are You Waiting For? And really this has kind of been stirring in my heart for a couple of months, uh, this series, because here's what I know about all of our lives is this series is all about the obstacles. This series is all about uh, decisions. This series is all about choices. This all, this series is all about us moving forward in life And here's what I know about you is you are the sum total of all the decisions that you've made up to this point in your life. You are a product of your decisions. And listen, we are all facing decisions every single day. Uh, And have you noticed that the amount of decisions that are coming before us every single day seems to be growing exponentially? In fact, we live in a day and an age and a culture where we are making more decisions than we have ever made before in the history of humanity and i believe that that there are some decisions that we can make today that can change the trajectory of your life but it always comes down to decisions and i've learned that because there's so many decisions i I see it play out in our lives a lot um in our house There are some different chores that my wife and I each have. My wife, uh, she does grocery shopping. I do dishes, I do laundry. uh, Like I do anything virtually at the house, but I don't really go to the grocery store. That's something she does because the grocery store scares me to death. It's like, it's the most overwhelming place for me. And so I don't ever want to go to the grocery store. But every once in a while, I get one of those Hail Mary kind of phone calls where my wife is at home and maybe she's cooking and she's missing something. And she'll call me up and be like, hey, on your way home, can you stop by Publix and grab whatever? And I'll be like, are you sure? And she'll be like, yeah, I really need it. And the reason she asks, am I sure? Because she knows that that trip to Publix is going to be way more work for her than it is me. Cause I'm gonna get lost in there in like ten minutes because they don't put anything that makes sense next to each other, do they? It's like they spread it out so that you get lost in there and you can never find your way back to where you need to be. I wish they they, they would they would do something about that. I, I know some people here that work at Publix. Bill, can you fix that for me? You try. You'll do your best. I appreciate that. Um. And so and so like recently, I don't know if you've realized how many choices you have at the grocery store. So so um. Let me just show you. Have you walked down the toothpaste aisle lately? Um, The toothpaste aisle is a pretty overwhelming place. I mean, there's so many toothpastes that are out there. This is some Colgate sparkling white with baking soda, and it's mint zing flavor. I mean, that sounds really, really awesome. We have Colgate maximum strength, sensitive. It prevents and repairs. That's a great option for those of you that have teeth that are broken. You have... It says it repairs it. Like I, I, th- I feel like there's a lawsuit coming up right there for somebody. I don't, don't don't sue Colgate. Well, maybe if, if you want to pay for the next phase of our church, you can go. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, this one this one kind of caught me off guard. Arm and Hammer, bright and strong. Now, when I think of Arm and Hammer, I think of the baking soda that goes in your refrigerator when you got nasty smell in there, right? You put the baking soda in there, you open it up, and it takes away the. the am I the only one that does that? Some other people. So basically what they're saying is, is when you have a nasty smell in your mouth, you brush your teeth with this. That's, that's what I came to the conclusion of with that. Um. Sensodon, this is for older people and apparently me, because my dentist told me this week <laughs> I need to start using some Sensodon. This is extra fresh, complete protection. Uh, you got Burt's Bees. I thought this was just wax that you put on your lips, but they make toothpaste too. And this is like for those green people. It's without fluoride, which means that your teeth are gonna turn this color. That's <laughs> what that means if you use this. Like you just go ahead and mark that out. We have AIM here. This is in Spanish, so I can't tell you what it says. Uh, Uh, colgate now these boxes look identical to each other but this one is clean mint and this one is deep clean so if you just want to have mint breath you do this if you want to have clean teeth you use this one i mean advanced pro health i mean there are so many choices this is the cheapest toothpaste i could find 99 cents right here i don't know what it does it's crest it probably doesn't work Uh, Do you know, do you know, do you know, oh, this one. This is max fresh with whitening, breath strips, freshness that lasts for an hour. Oh, it's just hours. Okay. Um, But do you know, do you know how many different options of toothpaste there are on the market right now? Anybody have a guess? 353. No wonder me and an elderly gentleman were standing there at Target going to I don't know which one me neither dude I was like we're just and then have you walked down the the laundry detergent aisle We got some Gain here. This is Moonlight Breeze uh, Aroma Boost Gain. We have again Arm and Hammer. Arm and Hammer is in everything. And this is a uh, Tropical Paradise. We got Todd Pods. This is what kids eat today. For those of you that were wondering, this is this is what they snack on. Uh, we got sun triple clean. This is tropical breeze. What I discovered about the, the laundry detergent aisle is that everybody wants to smell like they just came off vacation. That's what I found. They're all like tropical. And then you got Myers. This is like for all, where are my green people at? The Myers people. Where are my Myers green people at? This is for all the people that want to be green, but you know what? It never really cleans your clothes. It's okay because it doesn't work. It's green, anyways. Uh, Sorry, maybe it does. I don't know. Uh, I'm just going with it doesn't. But here's what I know is we have more choices than we've ever had. And a lot of times in the grocery store, we'll stand there overwhelmed, but I don't think it's just the grocery store. I think it's life as well. We have more choices and more options than we've ever had. And it's easy to get over whelmed in those moments. I think about young people today, the people that are in their high school years just going into college. They have more choices than we had 20, 30 years ago. They have choices like, what should I do this summer? Should I intern? Where should I go to college? Should I major in? What what should I do after college? Should I uh, go start a career or should I go make a difference? Should I I begin a family or should I run after my dreams? Should, should uh, Should I not go to school and just go work? And there are so many options that are out there. Should I settle down or should I travel the world? They have so many options. It's not just young people. It's older people like myself as well. There's so many choices that we have today. Should I shift gears and change career paths or should I start my own business or should I continue to work for somebody else? Should should I go to this church or should I go to that church? And if that's your question today, you should go to this church. I'll just go ahead and answer it. Thus saith the Lord, go to this church. Uh, Should I serve here or should I serve there? There's so many choices that are out there in life. And what I know about you and what I know about me is that every single one of us are facing choices and decisions today. And they're not just simple choices. They're very complex choices. They're, They're very big choices. In fact, I believe with all of my heart that you are one decision away from a totally different life. You are one choice away today from a totally different life than what you are currently experiencing. I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. See, you're one choice away from changing the entirety, entire trajectory of your life. Now, the interesting thing about the word decision is that it is derived from a Latin word that means to cut off. And so what that means is when we make a choice, when we make a decision, we're basically coming to this place back in the day where we would say you have a fork in the road where you can go to the left or you can go to the right. You can make choice A and with all the options that go with choice A. And if you make choice A decision, then you are cutting off the decision to go down choice B or path of choice B. And and a lot of times what would happen is is we would weigh those choices out and we'd go, what are the pros and what are the cons? Anybody ever made a pros and cons list and trying to figure out, like, what is the decision that I make? And then we make this choice. And what we're saying when we make a choice to follow A is that we are no longer going to have the option of B. But we live in a day and an age where when we say yes to A, we're not just saying no to B, we're saying no to C and D and E and F and G and the rest of the alphabet and all the options that are out there. And what happens for so many of us because there are so many choices and so many options, instead of making a decision on something, we step back and live in indecision and say, you know, because there's so many options and I don't know which option to choose, I choose nothing. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but choosing nothing is actually a choice. And all of a sudden, all that freedom to go anywhere and be anything and do anything starts to feel more like bondage than it does liberty. Why is that? Because what happens when we come to that place where we have to make a choice is there is this thing that's called fear that starts to creep up into our life. There's a fear because of Past decisions that we've made that maybe didn't turn out how we thought they're going to turn out. And so now we're a little scared in our decisions today because we've made some bad choices in the past. And we think, well, if I make that choice, what happens if it turns out bad? Here's what I've learned about fear. Fear is a thief. Fear comes to steal your dreams. Rob you of hope. erode your faith, destroy your future. Fear will make you obsess about yourself and your inadequacies. Fear will keep you from putting yourself out there in relationships or love because of a rejection issue. Fear will keep you from taking risks and steps to follow God's plan for your life. Fear will eventually begin to erode your trust in God and the things that he has for your life. And maybe one of the most damaging things about fear is that it can actually keep you from living in this moment right here and right now. In this moment is the only thing that you're guaranteed in life. Yeah. In fact, it's one of the reasons why I believe Jesus talks so much about fear. In fact, if you were to look back at the Gospels, you'll see that out of the 125 commands or imperatives that Jesus lays out why he walked this earth, 21 of those had to deal with be not afraid, fear not, take courage, take hope. In fact, the second most thing he talked about was love your neighbor and love God, and he only talked about that eight times. And I'm not saying that the number of times that Jesus talked about something dictates the importance. But what it, I am saying is if the, Jesus felt the need to talk about one subject more than any other subject why he was here on earth. The reason he probably did that is because he knew it would be something that we would deal with on a daily basis that would keep us from our potential. And I think God in heaven is saying to all of us today, if he could come down in a loud voice, he would say, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? And a lot of us are going, well, Pastor TJ, how do I combat fear? See, here's the problem that you haven't realized. You don't have a fear problem. You have a faith problem. See, a lot of us think, well, I just need to get rid of my fear. The only problem with that kind of thinking is is that's an impossibility. You're always going to have a sense of fear. Even when God calls you to something, there's going to be an unknown element to it that is going to cause some apprehension in your life. You're like, I don't know. That's called fear. But God isn't calling us to fear less. What he's asking us to do is to trust him more. Yeah. See, our focus shouldn't be on how do I fear less, but how do I actually trust you more, God? That's why Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. He's saying, listen, don't lean on your understanding because your understanding is naturally gonna go to fear. And so you're not gonna be able to get rid of that because your understanding, that's all you know. You were built with that. But what I want you to do is not focus on your fear. I want you to focus on me. He's saying, I want you to learn how to focus on me because there are some decisions that some of you have been waiting on days, weeks, months, Even years to make, and God is saying, hey, what are you waiting for? Today's the day that you need to start trusting some more. And so I want to talk about how do we begin to trust God more. And we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture out of Psalms, chapter 121. If you want to turn in your Bibles there, you can look in your worship gods. And this is actually, I would encourage you, if you're a Scripture memorization kind of person, this would be a great passage Of scripture for you to memorize but psalms 121 we're going to read verses 1 through 3 to begin with in psalms 121 it says i lift up my eyes to the mountains where does my help come from my help comes from the lord the maker of heaven and earth he will not let your foot slip and he who watches over you will not slumber and so God right here is giving us some, some pictures of some things that, that we can do if we're gonna learn how to trust him more in life. If you're taking notes today, number one, you have to focus your attention on God. He says this, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. What does that mean? It's a, it's a Hebrew expression that is used all throughout the Old Testament, signifying that we all have this unbelievable power with our physical eyes. We can literally lift up our eyes and put our attention and put our focus on something different than what currently has our attention or focus. It is it's basically saying, hey, listen, you can become aware of possibilities, not hindrances. What, is, what it's actually saying when it refers to the mountain, lift up my eyes to the mountain, that's actually referring to the mountain of God. It's where God came down and gave Moses the Ten Commandments. It's where the presence of God lived. And when Moses walked down, he was glowing with that. And they're saying, listen, you can lift your eyes up to that. You can put your focus on God. See, God has given us this incredible choice in life. In fact, it's one of the greatest human freedoms that we have, and that is the power to choose where you will place your mind and where you will place your attention. You can choose to place your focus on your failures, you can choose to put your focus on your problems. You can choose to put your focus on your finances. You can choose to put your focus on your, your inabilities. You can choose to put your focus on your insecurities. You can choose to put your focus on your limitations. You can choose to put your focus on your heightened sense of fear and lack of power in life, or you can choose to put your focus on God. But the choice is you, yours. Whatever's going on in your body, whatever's going on in your home, whatever's going on in your finances, whatever's going on in your life, whatever's going on in your insecurities, does not matter. You can choose to focus on God in those moments. And listen, I know some of you right now are going, but Pastor Gene, I don't even really know where I put my focus. Here's a really simple question you can ask yourself. What do I talk about most? Because what you talk about most reveals where your thoughts are the most. So do you talk more about your problems than you do your power of your God? Do you talk more about your circumstances than the God who can change your circumstances? Do you talk more about your finances? Do you talk more about your health? What do you talk about in life? And whatever you're focusing on is going to get your attention. And I've learned that the world is out there trying to give us 375, they're like, they're raining down options for us to focus on. Yeah. They're throwing things at us all the time. We have got to make a choice to focus on something different. And listen, I know you're ADD. You're like me, you're ADD, you're like all over the place. But what I've learned is that I've got to wake up early in the morning before anything's going on. Before the dog's woken up, before Shayla's woken up, before the sun is out. And I've got to get in God's word. And I'm going to get my attention on God because God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Some are going like it, man, it's so dark, I don't know what decision. Because you haven't got the light out in your life. See, this isn't some old ancient book that has nothing to do with your life. The the Bible actually says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces and dividing the soul and spirit and joint marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of your heart and my heart. Yeah. And so what it's doing is it's getting in there and starting to decipher, hey, that's true. That's just something you're focused on. That isn't what God says about that. That's what the world's told you. You need to stop believing that. You need to get your attention off that problem. Get your attention on my power. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. You need to stop worrying about that situation. I'm your provider. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you trust me? See, if you don't pay attention to what has your attention, it will take more attention than you ever dreamed of. That was good. I don't know how I said that, but that was good. You should have wrote that down. Listen, don't give major attention to minor things. So many of us, we give minor things the major attention in our life. And we need to shift our focus. We go, God, you're going to get the major attention of my life. And I'm going to focus my attention on you. Continue on. It says, I lift up my eyes. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So number one, you got to focus your attention on God. Number two, you have to relinquish control to God. You have to relinquish control to God. It says, where does my help come from? My help doesn't come from me. That's where a lot of us think we're going to get our help. I'm going to help myself because that's what the world tells us. Go ahead. and Those who help themselves, right? You've heard that scripture before. That's not scripture. That's a falsehood that you've believed. It says, where does my help come from? My help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. See, what I've found is very often when we have fear, we go into this mode called control mode. Anybody else ever experience a little control mode? Anybody ever try to control anything? Anybody ever raise their hand? Can you raise your hand? Or are you taking control of the situation? No, I refuse to. See, when we we fear, what we try to do is we try to take control. And every time we try to take control, we start taking a position in the universe that we don't own. See, I want to trust in my abilities. I want to trust in my strength. I want to trust in my bank account. I want to trust in my knowledge. I want to trust in my degree. I want to trust in my relational network. I want to trust in all of those things. But I'm going to guess what you found and what I found is is as much as I trust in me and my ability and my framework and all those things, they always fall short, don't they? As much as I try to control, I don't have enough power to really control. And one day we all realize that none of that stuff can help me. And it's when we begin to lift our eyes off of ourselves to the mountain and realize that there is a God that is the maker of heaven and earth. In other words, he's the author of life. He's the author, not you. And that's why we turn to him in those moments. And the reality for a lot of us is the reason we're fearing so much is because life hasn't turned out how we planned life to turn out. See, we thought we would be here by now, but really we're there. But I thought I would be here. We thought that we would be married at this point, but we're still single and ready to mingle right now. Some of you all are liking that. You're like, hey, call me. Some of you thought you'd be living in this neighborhood and driving this car, but the reality is, is you're living over there taking the bus. And was, listen, there, there, there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is is we take scriptures like Jeremiah 29, 11, which most people have in their home or have memorized or have said, and it says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And we love that. We're like, yeah, God, I like that. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And what we translated is, for I know the plans you have for you. God, here's my plan. It's awesome. It's awesome. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to drive a Bentley with 22s, God. God. I'm going to have 2.3 kids. It's going to be amazing. My husband is hot. <laughs> God bless this. And then we're like, what's up, God? Where's it at? Why are you not coming through? Because God never said it for I know the plans you have for you. He said, for I know the plans I have you have you ever just thought maybe God's plan is actually better than your plan maybe just possibly I mean in the wildest universe that his way is maybe a little bit better than your way Here's the problem I have with this verse. I'm like, God, you know the plan. Why don't you tell me the plan? <laughs> Anybody else with me on that? It's like, come on, give me the plan. You want, you want to know why he doesn't tell you? Because the moment he would tell you, you would try to control that situation. It's true. He'd be like, oh, good, perfect, God. I got this from here. You can go ahead go back to heaven. I got this from here on out. I got the plan. I got a road down. I got a vision. I'm like, I, I don't need you anymore. And we'd try to skip like 387 steps yeah. that would give us the character necessary to actually fulfill that plan. Yeah, that's right. And God's going, listen, if you would just relinquish some control, that plan, you'd start to see it play out in your life. Yeah, it's good. I learned this at, at 18 years old. My, uh, my parents had this thought when I was a kid they're like we're gonna take him to every Jim Rohn seminar if you've ever heard that name every John Maxwell event that there is and when I turned 18 years old my parents decided like for for your 18th birthday we're gonna take you to do a Tony Robbins Unleash the Power Within You event and uh and so we actually came down here to Fort Lauderdale when I was 18 years old my, my my stepdad brought me down and um We went to the, actually, the Fort Lauderdale conventions, and I remember, it was like, it was crazy. I'd never been to anything like that. If you've never been to a Tony Robbins event, it was like, it was like an EDM concert with like, with a hype man constantly hyping you up, telling you, you can do anything in the world, which as an 18-year-old, I loved, because I felt like I could do anything in the world. And so like, he's hyping you up. They actually separate you out from your family. They tell you to get away from people you know. And so I'm at this event. I'm by myself. I don't know where my stepdad is where Tony Robbins is up on the stage. He's like six foot 27. He's huge. And uh, like he is hyping you up and you're hype and he's got everybody bouncing up and down. We're on like day two or three and it is crazy, crazy intensity in there. And in the middle of all this hype, he goes, hey, everybody, I want you to run outside out the back doors. And they open up these big garage doors uh, in the back of the convention center and being 18, I want to win everything. So I'm like the first dude out those, those convention doors, and I run outside, and outside they have lined up these 20-yard rows of burning hot coals. And I get to the front out there, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I'm not really sure what's going on here. And Tony gets out there, and he says, hey, here's what's going to happen. You're going to take off your shoes, and you're going to walk across those hot coals. And I'm like, listen, you might be selling something, but I'm not buying right now. You're on Coke or crack or something. Like, I'm not having that. And i turn around, and at that moment, I see the hottest girl I'd ever seen until I met my wife, Shayla, right behind me. <laughs> see what I did there, man? That's, you know, take note of that. <laughs> and being 18 years old, I'm like, I can't get out of this line right now. I can't, like, I, she'll, she'll think I'm a loser. And so... Uh, I I take off my shoes and socks. I'm the first person in line. I mean, there's other people in some other lines, but I'm the first one. And he says, hey, this is what I I want you to do. I know that those are burning hot coals. And everybody's like, yeah, I can feel the heat. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to focus on the end. And I want you to say, cool, Moss. And I don't want you to look at your circumstances. I want you to look at the end. And I just want you to step out and walk. And so I just start walking. I did the fastest walk you've ever seen. I was like a power walker at the Olympics. (laughs) I walked across that so fast I got to the end. I wiped my feet off and like I ended up on the other side and I did not get burnt. See, so many times what we think is impossible to us is always possible with God. In what looks like a dangerous situation or a fiery thing, a lot of times is the path that God wants to take you through to forge you into the person that he's trying to That's make right. you become. That's right. But it's all about where you put your attention and how you relinquish control. See, there's a lot of people that 25, 30 years ago, they started stepping on those hot coals and they didn't keep their focus on the end. They got their focus on the attention. You know what happened to them? They got burnt. So don't go home and do this, young people. <laughs> or old people. It doesn't, it doesn't matter age. It's not a discriminating thing. But so many of us are trying to control our world. And it's keeping us from giving control to God and him taking us places that we never imagined we could go. Yeah. Then it says in verse 3. It says, he will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. And so God says, man, listen, I, I need you to focus your attention on me. Number two, I need you to relinquish control to God. Number three, got to remember that God's got me. you got to remember that God Has got me. And this is my favorite part of this entire verse because what it says is it says, He who watches over you. What that means is it's insinuating that there is a watcher, and there is a watchy, that that God is the watcher. He's watching over you, and that you're the watchy. And I don't know about you, but I know me. I need somebody watching out for me. And I'm so thankful that I have a God that I serve that watches out for me in life. And, and God is watching out for you. Yeah. And here's what he says. He's, he's going, hey, I've got you. I'm not going to let your foot slip in life. Now, I, I, I've learned a few things through parenting over the last Couple, uh, actually, the last year, um, uh, one of the things I've learned in parenting is: is the younger your child is as a male, the higher your voice is. Anybody else notice that as a dad? Like when you have little kids, like you talk and like, Aah! then as they get older, I notice that the dads get a little sterner. They they actually get a deeper voice as they get like teenage years. That's free. But uh, le- recently, um, our son Alexander, my wife called me up. I was here at the offices working, and she said. TJ, Alexander's about to walk. And I said, you better push that child down. I want to be there when that kid walks. And so she knocked him. No, (laughs) that would be awesome if she did, but not really. Uh, And so, and so like I rushed home because I didn't want to miss out on this, this monumental moment with, with my son. And, and, uh, and so, and so I get home and and uh, she goes, man, he's about to walk. All, all that he had been doing up to this point is he had been standing there holding on to things. Every, every parent knows that stage where it's the standing and holding and falling down. And so I got home, and uh, th- this is kind of what took place when I got home. <laughs> Now, yeah, that's, that's worth clapping. Two important things there. Number one, did you see how intense Preacher was just staring that down? A great day. He was there for security reasons. Number two, and this is, this is what it's all about. My son had never taken a step up to that point. Taking a step was unknown to him. This is brand new. But did you notice in that video that my son's father, as he took his steps, He wasn't worried about falling to the left. He wasn't worried about falling to the right. He wasn't worried about falling backwards or forwards. Why? Because his dad was right there. With arms open wide saying, man, if you go to the left or you go to the right, son, I got you. I'm not going to let your foot slip. I'm not going to let you stumble in this moment. I've got you. And for some of you today, you need to realize that your heavenly father is right behind you. He's going, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? I'm right here. If you go to the left, I've got you. If you go to the right, I've got you. If you slip, you stumble, I've got you. I know you've made some choices in the past that you're ashamed of and it's kept you back from taking some choices and taking some steps today, but I've got you. What are you waiting for? Son, daughter, I know that you're fearful of the future because it's unknown and you've never gone there or done that before, but check this out. I'm right here and I got you. Now notice two things with this. One, he doesn't say that you're gonna go and be successful in every step you take, that it's gonna be perfect, and not going to be a struggle. He doesn't say that. So many times at church we think that everything's going to be rainbows and butterflies. That's just not reality. Because where there is no struggle, there is no strength. And God is trying to form something in your life. He's trying to get you to begin to trust him. So he does notice it doesn't say God's got your situation. It says God's got me. So what he does promise though. As he says, your foot won't stumble, and he'll keep watching that in verses 5 through 8. It says, the Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. He's saying, man, the sun won't harm you. Listen, you're not going to get burned in life, nor the moon at night. I guess werewolves won't get you. Listen, the Lord keeps you from all harm. And watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go. Both now and forever. And for some of you today, today is the day. It's time for you to come. It's time for you to take that step that God's been going, come on. Come on. What are you waiting for? Come on. Come on, I've got you. It's time for some of us to step in the unknown and see the possibilities that God has for our lives. For others of you, maybe today is the day that you need to make the greatest choice that you could ever make. And that's the choice to Begin a relationship with this God who watches over you. Who loves you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die a sinner's death on a cross that you and I deserve for our mistakes and our screw-ups and our mess-ups. Who died and rose three days later so that we could have life and we could have it more abundantly. So we could be connected to the creator who's got the plan for our lives rather than trying to figure out the plan on our own. And maybe today you need to make the choice to begin that relationship. I'm not talking about rules. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about joining a church. I'm talking about connecting with the creator of the universe. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're out there today and you go, you know what, Pastor TJ? That's the decision I need to make. I need to make a choice to begin a relationship with God. Or maybe you need to make the choice to come back to a relationship. Maybe you've walked away and you say, you know what, today is the day that I want to come back. I want to, I want to be under that covering of a God that's watching over me, protecting me. If that's you here today, I'd love to pray with you. If you just slip your hand up on the count of three. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip it up. Yeah, hands, hands, hands. Hands going up all over the place. You guys can put them down. God sees your hands. If you did pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud, God, I come before you. And I thank you that you love me so much that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. God, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for choosing me. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Help me to follow you and choose you all the days of my life.